Hey, curiosity seekers. Are you ready for some true medical crime? I know it's been a long time coming, but I have some coming up. Stay tuned. Hello, curiosity seekers. Welcome to Dissecting Medical History. I'm Ange. I'm a travel nurse, medical history enthusiast, and your host. If you're looking for a storytelling formatted podcast, with fun and fascinating topics on history and bios, then you are in the right spot. Please note this is not in any way medical advice. If you have anything that's ever discussed in any of the podcast episodes, please seek medical attention. Now, let's get this story started. Welcome back to Dissecting Medical History, True Medical Crime, again. So this week, I'm going to do another episode of Medical True Crime. Today's story, I'm really excited because there's going to be some, I'm going to tell some more, we're going to tell some more, but this one's a, a United States one that's based in New York which my brother lives in. Okay. And I was going to do the story with him, but it, we've been having a hard time getting time together to do it. So yeah. I have some others for him to, to record with. But before we get started, I have a challenge for you. Oh, a challenge. So you know how lately we'd, we've been doing, we did the jigsaw puzzles and we had Bluebeard murder. Yeah. So we had a lot of Dr. Deaths though before that. Yeah. So my challenge to you is to come up with a better name than Dr. Death or Angel of Death for this one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll see what I come My up with. My first major in college was journalism, and I would like to think that I was more creative than just coming up with I'm not Dr. a very Death. creative person, so I'm. it's probably going to be very well, disappointing, but I'm going to try my best. Maybe creativity is not what you need, but more of like logic. Okay. okay. I have... Think logically. I like to think I have logic. What does this guy, what does this guy represent? What is he about? Okay. So that's my challenge. Okay. I'll be thinking about that. Yeah. Dr. Death and Angel of Death is always given to nurses. Like, no matter what country. Yeah. It's always Angel of Death. Anyway, so so that's my challenge. So we're ready to get this story started. Woohoo. All right. So today's story is about Richard Angelo. Ever heard of him? I don't think so. He was a serial killer from West Ilsip, Il- 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 Islip, Islip, New York. Uh, he was born in. Help you. Yeah, <laughs> he was born in August 29th, so 1962. Okay. In Farmingdale, the only child of two educators, he was described as a nice kid, a good student who was attending St. John Baptist Catholic High School. He went on to a state university. He was an Eagle Scout, and he was even a volunteer firefighter. After he graduated in 1985, he got a job as a registered nurse at a burn unit in the Nassau County Medical Center in East Meadow. So far, he sounds like a good guy. Right, like an upstanding kind of a guy, right? After some moving around over the next few years, including a move to Florida with his parents, Kind of sounded like he was a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he landed a good uh, landed at Good Samaritan Hospital, working the night shift. Okay, I feel like I've heard Good Samaritan in the news. I've heard the name before a lot. Yeah. Like 
Is it for murder? Is it for things they do good or what? I can't remember. Good Samaritan, I feel like an oxymoron. Hopefully it's, yeah. <laughs> but okay, anyway, so he was described as being a very well-suited for the intensive care unit, very good under pressure, which you absolutely need in the ICU. Yes. And very calm demeanor. They said he was highly competent and well-trained. The ICU, intensive care unit, things can go very bad very quickly. You do have to be very calm. I feel I've never worked ICU. I've worked always step down, uh-huh. which is similar. Right. But you're always like having to listen to your instincts and your guts. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes in life, though, being well thought of like this guy, mm-hmm. very well rounded is not enough. So he developed a hero complex Uh to get more attention and praise. And we've talked about all the different reasons why these medical professionals kill. Uh His falls into the hero complex. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Where he just feels like uh, he needs that attention and, and, and praise from his colleagues to just further his ego, I guess. Yeah. So the plan he had was pretty simple and of course, if he saved people, then who really got hurt, right? Right. Except that uh, out of the 37 people that he tried to save, 25 died. Oh, my God. So he tried, he tried, he put 37 people in danger. So he could try to so save he them because he had the them. hero complex. Yeah, but 25 of them ended up oh. dying. and He's not very good at this. Oops, yeah. So Richard would inject the patients with drugs called pavulori and 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 nicotine, which are paraly- paralyzing drugs. Okay. He there's a lot of That's paralyzing drugs out there. Yeah. A lot more. I never realized how many were out there until I started doing true crime medical right. podcasts. Right. So I never realized. Like I'm a nurse. I don't deal though with. Paralyzing drugs. Right, because those are things that but anesthesiologists use, and obviously in the ICU, if someone's on a ventilator or something right, like that, I imagine. Right, but, and that's usually where they get them, but yeah. like the average nurse No, I don't ever, know anything about that. Yeah, it's really crazy that there's so many. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. And that these people have access. Okay, so anyway, that's what he used, and he, would be, and he wouldn't even be sly about it. He would tell the patients he was giving them something to make them feel better. Mm. By feel better, I mean dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that'll make you feel better. <laughs> well, your neurons stop firing. Sure. You won't be in pain anymore. Oh, just sleep, my dear. First, the patients would feel numb. Then their bodies would start to constrict. And then they would be unable to talk or breathe. So they're, he's actually making them feel worse because he's paralyzing them, mm-hmm. but they can still feel yeah. and see everything that's going on. That would have to be a very scary state. That's, yeah, that's a horrible, We've horrible talked way about to go. that before, the locked-in syndrome. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. That's yeah, almost, yeah. yeah, kind yeah, of what it is. similar type of thing, yeah. So the first patients, okay, so they, <laughs> where was I? When the patient would start to code, Richard would be the first one on site to help the help them right and a code for those of you that don't know is when a patient is no longer breathing or needs immediate immediate medical attention or they will die a button in the hospital is pushed or you 
call out for someone else to push it while you're doing CPR. I think and it's usually in most hospitals called the code blue. Code so blue. So it means mm-hmm. either your breathing has stopped or your heart has stopped. So code blue being like you turn blue when. Yeah, exactly. Go, That's right? how I always remembered it. So <laughs> you're. So, and it's pretty much code blue for every hospital I've ever worked in. Yeah, that's all the only in the one US. I've heard. Yeah. So, when you activate that code, most hospitals have a protocol in place. So, when it's called, there's teams involved mm-hmm. and that are on duty to do certain tasks. So, if, for instance, someone will bring the crash cart, mm-hmm. someone will get a computer and start recording. Um, usually the patient's nurse is there. In this case, it's the guy who's trying to kill the patient. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately for that patient. To be the historian. And so he could pretty much make up whatever he wanted on the spot, right? Oh yeah, he just started to not, you know, whatever the case may be. I don't even know what to make up. Yeah, so radiology comes, Mm -hmm. the lab comes, a doctor Mm -hmm. is usually on on call or a PA. And they're able to to do those things. Definitely a respiratory therapist. Yeah. Because um, usually there's taking over to bag someone until they can get a trach. Yep. And there's someone, you know, doing the CPR and there's taking place, trading places. Usually there's tons of students if it's daytime. <laughs> it's a, there's a lot involved. A lot of people. It's a lot. And it gets messy and... You just have to keep calm and remember what you're pushing, what you're doing, what, you know, all those things. Anyway, so he was first. So it was like, you know, all these people are coming to his aid. Yeah. Coming to him. And that probably does make him have a big head. But I'm sure. I can't imagine after a while, like other people going, didn't we just have a code with his patient? With his patient like, every yeah, single every day or how days. often yeah. he's... 37 people over, I'm not sure the amount of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so most patients were elderly, which is usually the case with medical serial killers, right? The, uh-huh. They're always either killing them because they don't like older people or they're easy to say, oh, it's just natural causes. Right, they're or old anyway. Or morbidities. Yeah. They're old anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're gonna die soon anyway they're gonna die soon anyway but if you think about it you could live a long time yeah maybe 70 and still have 20 years to go exactly 20 plus years yeah. to go yeah so, you never i've got plenty of patients there's like elderly and then there's like elderly elderly <laughs> exactly <laughs> they should have like two terms for the elderly right there are some people at my work that are in their 80s are in way better shape than i am so like yeah. their cholesterol levels for instance um, anyway yeah Let's not get into that. (laughs) Okay, so for some reason, one of the nurses that responded to one of the calls took a urine sample. This was in 1987. I don't think it's... I've never taken a urine sample at a... uh, At a code? At a code. So I'm not sure if she was thinking something else or like... Something was up. Something was up. We need to check the urine. Yeah, so she got a urine pretty quickly. Okay. Which was very smart. Yes. And they did analyze it. Okay. I guess there was a a Foley in place or something because how are you going to get urine off? I'm not saying I'm a serial killer though, but I... (laughs) I, I've I've had... I've checked my share of urine, but never during a never code. Never during a code while somebody's receiving chest compressions. So good for them. Okay. 
One of the maybe she hey he had a urine bag. Too yeah, or something. yeah. Anyway, so oh, and also when I was thinking, it would it show up that quickly if he just shot somebody with a paralytic, and oh, it, it was working. Yeah, is it in the blood? I mean, it has to be in the blood. It might not even working. be in the urine yet. That's a good point. So I was I mean, wondering, it but, it, but a little bit, you would think. In this case, they it did detect, but it, the at the ansignatine can't be traced after twenty four hours. Oh, I guess they found some. It became a point of suspicion when it was tested for paralytics that weren't prescribed to the patient, oh. and I guess it was not Richard's patient. It wasn't Richard's patient. Oh. And the guy was able to give out a description of Richard. So he lived. Oh. oh. Yeah. He lived. He gave Richard a description and uh-huh. was able to say, okay, determine this guy wasn't his nurse. Oh, my God. And I remember I told you, he tells people, I'm going to give you something to help you. Yeah. So he probably also mentioned things that he was saying. Okay. So conclusions were jumped to, and Richard's home and locker were searched uh-huh. the very next day, which produced vials. They really jumped on this. I'm impressed by this right. team at this hospital. They, good Samaritans, they produced lots of vials of medications in his locker. Wow. Then they had started to exhume bodies. Uh-huh. 30 bodies, to be exact. And 10 of them had positive paralytics. Oh, my God. I have to say that I have been researching medical crime stories for a while now. Yeah. And this is very impressive, fast acting. It's a really good investigation. Team. Yeah. We are on top I of mean, it. I mean, but is it that fast if there was 30 other bodies? <laughs> That's a good point. If there's 30 so, other people that I he's was, already plowed through and <laughs> maybe it's not as quick. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that too. And I was, but I was thinking. I guess at this point, somebody started to become suspicious. Yeah, and was it all at the same hospital? I don't know. He was charged with many counts of second-degree murder. He confessed on tape to the murderers. How is it second-degree murder? I don't... Because first-degree means that there's a, a plan and stuff. He had all these vials in his locker, and that's interesting. Maybe, maybe he pleaded guilty and got, he, like, a, a deal with the... He did it maybe because he did yeah, a deal, or he didn't plan the person... Yeah. It just was opportunity. Yeah, yeah, it was just opportunist. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Anyway. He, so he confessed, on, and, and it was kind of for more of his ego. It wasn't really He wasn't really targeting person. anybody in particular. Yeah. So again, anyway, he confessed on tape to the murders and claimed that it was an insecurity in his nursing skill ability that led him to such drastic actions to make himself look good. He even compared himself to the firefighters to become heroes. Yeah. <laughs> I told you he was okay. a volunteer firefighter. Yeah. And then he was a, a, a Eagle Scout. And I was wondering, he did all of those things probably for his own ego. Oh, absolutely. He was probably always looking for ways. It's not like he was trying to help to anybody. Pump up his, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I wonder if that is where he got his idea. Yeah. For, it was from firefighting because he was trying to save them to make himself look good. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't a really good nurse because his track record for saving lives is really bad. <laughs> he's i mean it, seriously like how good of a nurse are you if you let 25 of them die seriously right yeah how is that making you look good and you keep doing it yeah you're not good that's, at even being a hero it's not gonna help if you keep doing it if you keep killing people 
going to make, I, I don't know. I don't understand his, his thought process. No. His lawyer came up with a dissociative identity disorder. Okay. Basically, what they were trying to say is that he wasn't thinking of the patients as real people. Oh. He thought of it as low risk. He could disassociate himself from them. The judge threw out the polygraph that Richard took to prove his point. He ended up being convicted of two counts of second-degree murder based on depraved indifference. One count manslaughter, one count criminally negligent homicide, and six counts assault. He was sentenced to 61 years to life. He was only 27 at the time, hadn't gotten married, did not have any kids, which is probably good. Uh, yeah. Maybe if he had a family, he would have felt... So not so inadequate in his career. I think he's still serving time probably for someone. Probably someone's bitch at this time. (laughs) At the Great Meadow Correctional We can only hope. So anyway, that's the story of Richard Angelo. Okay, so what did you think? Do you have a a nickname for this guy? Mm. The nurse. I can't really call him Dr. Death. I said I was going to be thinking about it, but I wasn't. Okay, so let's think about this. He did it for the hero complex, okay, right? Okay, uh-huh. So you could always try to say Not so the lackluster superman. superhero nurse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um, one star short of a Marvel character. <laughs> the paralyzer. <laughs> the paralyzer. <laughs> I like that, the paralyzer. That's what he did. Sounds like a he was wrestler. A one, he was a one-trick pony. He was a wrestler. Was he? Was it no, a wrestler? What'd you say? I said it sounds like a name of a wrestler. Oh, sounds like a name Isn't of a wrestler. Isn't it? The Paralyzer? The Paralyzer. The Paralyzer. <laughs> <laughs> or or um, a monster truck. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Paralyzer is pretty good. Okay. He sucks. I'm glad he's in prison. Yeah, he'll be there for a while. That's our story. We did pretty good. No tangents. That was really good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm impressed with us. I think we're good to go. So anyway, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Maybe your voice. Your voice is soothing. I, I get told that all the time. It's it could put people to sleep. But maybe people listen to this because they want a good night's sleep. <laughs> I medical I, true crime. I'm not gonna for a hate good night's that. sleep. I'm not gonna hate that. People listening to my podcast and they feel like it helps put them to sleep. Okay. I'm not gonna hate that. <laughs> I mean I'm helping in one way or another, right? Exactly. Either entertaining, either educating on new things, old things. Or helping you sleep. Or helping you sleep. Helping with insomnia. So today's still want to say goodbye. Oh.